0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom by simply visiting www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. So we're underway for 2024, and that means um, coming back to the features that were very popular through 2023. Thursday is always Perigo's Perspective and Money Talks with Farzan Irani. And Farzan, great to have you back. I know you're still in India. You've got a bit of traveling to do, but you're beaming in um, this Thursday morning our time.
1: I hope you're well. Yes, Paul, very much so. It's a new year, brand new year, 2024. Uh, I'm keeping well. Thank you. Well, well that's, Thank good you. To hear. that's good to hear. All
0: right. Okay. Let's uh, make everybody's day, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> are you, folks, are you ready for this? Okay, so probably I think the best way, because we, we're kind of setting the scene for the year in a way, setting the table, as they say. Let's call this show, um, or this episode of Money Talks, what, the five potential crises in the world of economics and money that, um, well, I think you're going to say are with us now that they are here now so let's talk about the five that you've um suggested
1: starting with real estate yeah sure uh before we start paul uh i'd probably like to because otherwise people are just going to think we're always talking doom and gloom let's not call it the fall five possible crises let's just talk let's call it the five things to look for in 2024, because okay, the signs um, five signs yeah the five five things to look out for five signs to look out for because there's signs since last year, and they're only accelerating right because as I said, uh, I've said previously in, in the Chinese culture, the word crisis is actually the same word as opportunity. So if people okay. can see the crisis coming, they can either get out of the way, which is your risk management, and if some people can also benefit from it, uh, we Okay, what well, good point. In the financial crisis, right? People did benefit from it. Uh, people who could see certain things coming. So I'd probably say, yeah, five things that, um, to watch out for in 2024. And you mentioned the CRE crisis. So just for our listeners, we'll highlight what that is. Um, that's the commercial real estate. And yep. that is in a crisis state already. As we mentioned last year, what was happening with office buildings and uh, malls and all that kind of stuff uh, in the US and um, everywhere else, more so sure in the US, so to speak. So just to give you some headlines on um, that, um, I just want to show people that this wasn't just a U.S. problem because yes, there's office buildings in the U.S. and U.S. banks have lent to it, but there's also global banks who lend into the U.S. market. So one of the headlines there was that Japan's Azora Bank, which is Japan's 16th largest bank, um, has literally uh, had a problem. Let's just say. Let's just put it that way. And what they've done is they've dropped some of their office tower uh, valuations by fifty percent. Whoa! Uh-huh. So that's that that that's quite a big amount. So what, as I, as I mentioned last year, what's going to happen is uh, we use a word called extend and pretend. Some banks can only extend and pretend for so long. Um, before they actually have to claim the numbers now in uh, the bank uh, in in Azora Bank's case they had their financials to reveal to their shareholders and just to give uh, uh, that is a very good time for them to clean up their balance sheet and tell people okay look we're looking at these kind of things we think there's a fifty percent we we're marking it down by fifty percent So can you imagine if a building was hundred million it's suddenly worth only fifty million yeah and yep. and. The, the the share prices for this bank dropped 20% on the announcement of this news straight away. And just to give you some kind of indication, their their profit guideline before this announcement was 24 billion yen profit. That was their profit guideline. And the actual result was a 28 billion yen loss for the first Oh my God, that's blood on the floor, isn't <clears> it? <throat> well, yeah, that's fifty-two billion in the wrong direction. Yeah. So instead of having a tw- if you're a shareholder and you're thinking it was supposed to have a twenty-four billion dollar uh sorry, twenty-four billion yen profit, and now it has a twenty-eight billion yen loss, obviously the shares drop that quickly. And this is Japan's sixteen largest banks. So now you can imagine how many global banks will be interconnected into this network. And it's not just America, it could be in Europe and all of that. Uh as I said. This, this problem is going to grow. And one of the other uh, things that happened, as we mentioned last year as well, uh, three banks had failed in America. Um, a bank hasn't technically failed in America. One did in November. But uh, just now, at the end of January, a New York community bank lost 45% of its share value in two days. Because they had a similar problem, and most people will not know this, but the New York Community Bank is the one who actually took off some of Silicon Valley Bank's assets last year. Oh, okay. When Silicon bank, yeah. Yes. When Silicon Valley Bank failed, some of the assets were put on New York Community Bank's balance sheet, which is obviously a continuing loss. They thought they were being smart by it, obviously, they got it at a discount. But they've had a $185 million loss on two office towers alone, this bank. And their shares lost 45% in two days. So
0: um, the loss of value in these hard assets, is that because of occupancy? Um, because we talked about that last year too, you know, the different way people are working now. It's not the old way where, you know, you might have had uh, office buildings teeming with hundreds and hundreds of people, even thousands. Is that what's changed? And that is that why the values are
1: lowering? Yes, of course, that is one of the primary reasons, as we discussed post-COVID, people are just working from home. You look at some job ads out there, most companies now say, oh, you can only come into the office one or two days a week. Uh, most big organizations have figured out uh, during COVID that they don't actually need all the staff in the ho- uh, in the offices all the time either. So it's cost cutting for them. So um, these office hours are not only really empty, their rents are being negotiated downwards by existing tenants who promise to stay as long as the rent is reduced, and on the other end, the rents, uh, the 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 price to service these mortgages are going up. As we mentioned, when they were zero, zero point five, one percent interest rates, and suddenly you're paying five, six, seven percent interest rates, um, there's a massive problem. And when payments are not being made on a certain loan they counted as non-performing loans. As we've said, different countries will have different definitions. Most banks would go about 90 days. Uh, certain countries in jurisdiction might have, have 120, or 180 days. In fact, uh, maybe next week I want to talk about, I've looked at the Reserve Bank's balance sheet about all the New Zealand banks and who's non-performing a little bit, whose portfolio started non-performing in New Zealand. Um, so maybe we could look at the New Zealand scenario um, next week. But this wow. is going to affect all banks.
0: Yeah, we can we can certainly do that. So, in terms of Alzora Bank and the in Japan and the other bank you just mentioned that took over the Silicon Valley um, banks, yeah, um, are we going to see another? It's possible we'll see another bank failure, one or two, or, or maybe even more.
1: Surely. Oh, there's going to be more coming. There's going to be more and more coming. And i just like to correct myself. I've just looked at a note here. Uh, the New York Community Bank had snapped up uh, Signature Bank's assets, not Silicon Valley, as I said. So right. it's well, signature though, though Signature was involved, I think. In some as well. Yeah. 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 So there were three banks that failed last 10. Signature was one of them. Uh, Silicon was just the very first one. And yeah, you're right. So, right so right there's there's phone. some connecting lines in this also. Uh, one of the things we're going to cover today is China. So, also to give you an idea, Chinese banks are also in trouble. As I mentioned last year, what this gives the regulators in America, so to speak, the Federal Reserve, an opportunity to do is consolidate the banking network. Now, right. New Zealand's banking network is quite small. We don't have that many banks, anyways. But America has three, four thousand banks. So, this is the opportunity to kind of consolidate as banks fail. The bigger Uh, players will come and take over the smaller players. And also, having said that, the regional banks are the ones who have led into commercial property. They have a bigger exposure to commercial property in America. Uh, it's your local banks who are funding your local malls and shopping centers and commercial properties and office blocks and all of that. Yes, the big city ones. And that is why I think we'd mentioned one of the bigger banks last year where we said Goldman Sachs had written down, I think 60% of one of the office buildings. So everyone's going to have to write it down. It just, if, if you're someone who's worried about your bank or your bank shares, look at their commercial property exposure to understand what could be happening. Terms Sorry, I was going to say, in terms of China,
0: I mean, it's a different different political system. It's an author it's an authoritarian sort of political system where in the end, um, you know it is what it is, whatever the government says, different in democratic countries, or is there no difference, really, any anymore? Because the CCP can just say, "Look, sorry, too bad. That's what happened. Everybody has to behave like this for a while. Um, and we sail on. But um, it's different
1: in a democracy, I don't know, is it? It's You bring up a good topic, Paul, and it might be a bit controversial for me to say this. Let's let us be honest. We call ourselves, or Western countries, we call ourselves democracies. Over the last two or three years, we've seen what had happened, okay? So we try and say, we're democracies, they're uh, communist countries. Yes, that has been for a long time and the the perception was there as well in a communist country or socialist country the government kind of owns everything if you think about china there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires there so they're not technically communist, communist, so to speak. But yes, the government has bigger control in telling people what to do, or they could just change policy on a whim. And the country just moves in that direction. And that is what has caused most of the Chinese problems in the property sector, because it was all okay for these developers just to keep selling property to Chinese households. And it's only when the CCP Xi Jinping actually said that, now, this is enough, enough speculation, all of that, about a couple of years back. And then all of this came crashing down in China, which is the next one we want to talk about. But I'm just trying to make people just think, because that's what we let people do, is if we think we live in a democracy, then how come we don't have a say whether we should wear masks or not, or whether we should be locked on or not? Uh, of course, it was a public safety. Um, But again, I'm I'm just letting people think this, right? Because in a communist country, the government owns everything and everything's equal. How come in China and Russia we have billionaires and millionaires? People are allowed to compete. Uh, Obviously, then when the government wants to come in and shut it down, they can. Uh, But we've seen that in some Western democracies uh, recently as well. There's no rule of law. uh, And the government just gets to say, do this, and we have to do it, whether it's Europe or New Zealand or Australia.
0: Yeah, so Xi Jinping... Doesn't need to worry about being, you know, uh, voted out of office, and if people yes. get too grumpy, he can just well, look what happened in Tiananmen Square, you know, um, and uh, and he can deal with it that way. You're going to the absolute margins of anything anyone could dream about if that happened in
1: in a democratic country. Yes, and and, and that's a big difference, right? That's a big difference. What I'm not I'm not denying what was just said what i'm saying is the lines are being blurred now with the way the democracies are starting to act as well yeah. so there's a clear sign of how democracy is moving more towards that model but because democracies say oh look we're trying to i don't know uh we, we 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 want to go to war with russia and china because there's communist countries and look how they're treating their people there's more to the agenda than that but we leave that at that uh um we could possibly <laughs> if you want move on to you know, we chi- yeah it's just yeah. it
0: just interests me who has the upper hand you know what system if
1: things are crashing that's all um neither 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 do because when the system crashes the system crashes I think governments whether it's be politicians or our reserve banks who think they're lords of finance and money and they control our destinies and the universe they're they, they, they Find out every so many years, as we saw in the 1987 crash of the 2000 um, dot com crash and even the global financial crisis, these guys aren't gods, they think they can control and manipulate the price of money and do all of that, but the market always wins. And we're about to see that in the next year or two, okay? So, uh, how it all comes crashing down. And, and I, I'm, yeah, Russia
0: might not be um <laughs> communist anymore, but they certainly don't like the pooty poo, all right? Um. So there's like teetering on the edge of a commercial real estate crisis. So that's fair to yes. say that, right? And, yes. and that that must apply here too. It
1: it it might it might. I it might. haven't, as I said, I haven't gone on every bank's balance sheet. Yeah, but I have gone to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's balance sheet and done some um, basic reading up they do have a um, chart out there on different things on New Zealand banks as of 30th September 2023 which is the last i can find on mm-hmm. that gives you a breakdown of total non-performing loans ratios of individual banks capital ratios your balance sheet of every bank and all that kind of stuff so i do look at those kind of uh, metrics again um, yeah people uh, can jump on reserve bank of new zealand's website and look at the information at least the information that they provide you yeah and, and some said, will have next fire week, fire. if you want, yeah. yeah, yeah. And next week, maybe we've got two, three, four different things about the banking system and the Indonesian bank and all of that. And I even found Indonesian uh, Reserve Bank Indonesia's own website. They, they there's a document out there about the creation of money, and we've explained to people how banks create money out of thin air. Yeah, there's literally a photograph and a diagram explaining that on the Reserve Bank Indonesia's website. Oh, okay. So they're quite upfront about it.
0: Well, if you know where to look, yes. Okay, so what about um, jobs? Because um, yesterday um, the news came out that unemployment in New Zealand, official unemployment—I don't know how how reliable official unemployment is, but let's um, call it—you know—the actual unemployment rate is has gone up to four percent. So, um. What do you say about jobs? Is it are jobs part of these indicators too? They must be. Uh, it is. It,
1: it, it just means the economy is slowing down, right? Um, yeah. Again, as we mentioned prior, we need to be reading below the headlines to understand what is happening. Uh, in New Zealand's case yesterday, it said the unemployment rose from three point nine to four percent. Okay, so they're saying, look, the unemployment rate is not so high. Um, so the Reserve Bank might actually have to continue increasing interest rates. Now, I'm just going to slow this down for people to understand. As I said, they first told us there was a lot of inflation, so they increased interest rates. Um, and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand had two mandates. One was price stability, and one was making sure the economy functions correctly. When nationals come into the picture, they have said, you only have one mandate, which is price stability. Don't worry about it employment and all of that. So the Reserve Bank now has an open lease to run and create unemployment higher. Now the, the rationale that they use, if we, if we increase interest rates, businesses will suffer, which means they will then cut back on their staff. Unemployment will rise, people will lose jobs. Because they will lose jobs, they will pull in their wallets and stop spending, which will cause inflation to go down. If only everything was that simple, And just by increasing an interest rate up or down, you could control an entire economy and a decision of five million individuals just by increasing interest rates up and down. Yes, now if you have debt, as I mentioned before, if you're a mortgage owner, you're increasing interest rates. It's actually more difficult for you to pay your mortgage. So you start having fewer holidays. You don't do the silly spending. You do the basics and stuff from your uh, disposable income, so to speak. But I also want people to understand, as I mentioned last year, they are fudging the numbers. They are literally fudging the numbers. And this is not, I'm not talking about New Zealand. I'll give you an example about America. In America last year, as I said, they were saying the employment numbers are brilliant and this and that. And the BLS, which is the Bureau of Labor Statistics, has actually, when they issue the data, let's say for example, they say employment is really good, this, that, last year in 2023, 11 out of the 12 months they went back and they revised the data downwards and i had mentioned this that they fudge the data now if you want to look want to make the look uh, want to make the government look better or the economy functioning better because as we mentioned prior this is a confidence game they're making it look like the economy is doing really well but then they go in hindsight and turn the numbers down so 11 out of the 12 months last year this happened in america and even when you deep dive on this, Paul, they tell you the job numbers are increasing and all that stuff. It's the part-time jobs increasing and the full-time okay. jobs going down. Yeah. So as interest rates are going up, businesses are suffering, they're laying off full-time workers and they're only getting people on part-time. Now... I'd also done a calculation if people who were interested. Now they say the economy is doing really well. I just did a quick quick al- uh, calculation on this because this also k- kicks into the minimum wage and the green agenda, where they say, "Oh, look, we're increasing the minimum wage." Now, if you were earning about, I've just done a simple one. So, if you're earning twenty dollars an hour and you had a full working week of forty weeks per, per uh, sorry, forty hours per week, gross, you were making eight hundred dollars a week, right? So that was on $20 per hour. Now, let's say the government comes in and says, we want to make minimum wage $22 an hour. What happens is the employer now is firstly suffering because the economy is slow, interest rates are high, people aren't buying from him, his profitability and margins are going backwards. He has to slash either workers or reduce their hours. So even if they say, oh, people then lose jobs, He's reducing hours. Now he's reduced hours from 40 hours to 25 hours a week. So now I've done a simple calculation. Let's say my hourly rate went from 20 to 22. But instead of working 40 hours a week, I'm now working 25 hours a week. In essence, instead of earning 800 a week, now I'm earning 550 a week. So I've actually had a $250 wage loss. This is what people need to understand is you've got to look below the data. And this is not the headlines. I'm going to tell you that
0: hope that makes sense
1: and the big headline story is okay that gets
0: the media attention but then when you start winding it back like you say it's been happening in the states every month that doesn't get the same coverage so people aren't aware they're they're only kind of still with the um the headline announcement which um is now being wound back every month well exactly exactly
1: right and just a, propaganda, really. That's a propaganda move. Technique. Well, that is it. That is it. To say the economy is doing okay, but now it gives them also okay. So we don't have to increase. Uh, we don't have to start reducing interest rates because the first thing in that article they mention is most of the banks come out and go. Oh, we had told you. Remember, we told you that maybe because the economy is inflation is coming down, we're going to reduce uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand might reduce interest rates. So I've also started hearing in the last month month and a half people in New Zealand and Australia actually thinking oh maybe this is the perfect time in anticipation of interest rate drops coming maybe we should start looking at property again because when they drop interest rates then the house prices will go up. Yeah. But this is cover for them already to say no 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 the unemployment rate's not high enough and two of the uh, senior economists at two of the banks in New Zealand have come out and said maybe this means they're not gonna reduce interest rates. Reserve Bank of New Zealand might actually increase interest rates uh, at their next meeting on on 28th of Feb. So this is all the jargon, but also in this article, there's a link, this is on uh, interest.co.nz. There's a link, and if you click on that to read the actual stuff, I just wanna read this stuff, right? The underutilization rate, as what I'm trying to say, the word underutilization means I might wanna work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week, but my employer is only giving me twenty or twenty-five hours, so there's an underutilization, which I just gave an example mm. of. Instead of forty hours, I'm working twenty-five hours. So the article says the underutilization rate also rose from ten point four to ten point seven percent. Right? This rate was nine point three in the same quarter, twenty twenty-two. So in a year, the underutilization has gone from nine point three to ten point seven. Yeah. Which is trying to tell you what? that more people wanna work. And it says, extra 8,000 workers reporting wanting to work more hours. People are struggling, they're working fewer hours. Yes, they're not unemployed, they're in a catch 22. They're working fewer hours, they wanna work more, but they're making less money. And I can tell you in 2024, 2025, the unemployment numbers are gonna go much higher. It's already happening in America with the big organizations slashing 10, 12, 15,000 jobs. Every second week, there's a headline with microsoft and this and that uh cutting jobs. Yeah, so that's
0: kind of the same thing um as well it's it's not massaging figures like um the US example, but it doesn't tell the the true story of like like the 4% unemployment rate. You got to look underneath that. And to um to take in the figure like you just mentioned, which was what um um desirability to work or, or or however you described it so it's not again at, at um surface level not
1: the full picture yeah you're correct there the, the never is a full picture uh i again as i said there also there's also this thing where whether you you are participating in the economy and looking for work paul there's people who might have looked for work for three six months they are on wins or something like that and then they get discouraged So when they have these statistics and they call people, are you looking for a job? You have to be actively looking in the market at that stage to be counted as unemployed. If I'm not looking for work anymore, then I'm not counted. But I am unemployed, but I might not be looking for work because I'm discouraged. Or underemployed. And, And that's the whole case. That's not what they talk about. So people might think, oh, it's only 4%. But during the global financial crisis, the same thing had happened when they started with Bear turns and stuff around 2007. Everything looked hunky-dory. And then in the space of three months, Lehman Brothers happened and more banks failed in America. And suddenly the unemployment rate shot up to 10 11 12%. Obviously out there, it's a 330 million population. So out here also it will. But now the Reserve Bank itself is saying, hey, we might not drop interest rates. Because the unemployment rate is so low. So what I'm trying to say is not only is the data wrong, the data actually works in their favour to keep increasing interest rates. Here's a quick question before we sum up.
0: Um, the other thing that, um, that people maybe have on their mind, and an example of that occurred just in the last few days, where one of the ma- main schools in, in North Canterbury, um, basically one day after the first term started, 35 teachers came down with COVID, which meant they couldn't operate the school. So they sent out a notice, no one come to school. Now, the example I'm trying to cite here is we could see what happens when you see large scale sickness in a workforce. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? I guess we're anticipating that, and that was an example I just uh, mentioned of it, That um, large groups of people could become um, continually sick,
1: and what does that do? That is a big thing over the next five, six, seven years. That's going to cause uh, a bit of uh, deflation in our economy because it takes people out of the workforce, doesn't? it? Of course, it does. And that's your underutilization. They still have to be paid, which means they either go on sickness benefit or something along those lines of Tunisian citizens. And I want to bring up because you mentioned this, I want to bring something up that is happening in the u.s they're talking about the employment numbers being all hunky-dory and all that stuff as i said they're manipulated after the fact but it's actual americans who are losing jobs okay it's the americans who are losing the full-time jobs and it's let's say the borders are open and all of that stuff some of these people are coming in and just doing cash jobs here and there so americans now can't even get the silly jobs which is the problem so this is what happens i think last year we mentioned one of the things where our hospitals and medical system was suffering or taking a hit and there were nurses and doctors being allowed from parts of India and Sri Lanka and all that kind of stuff right so why is that happening and then they say but look the unemployment the the employment data is great but what about those 30 or forty thousand kiwis who might have been disabled are now sitting on the disability benefit so remember they put you in a box you're in a disability benefit so you're not looking for work because you're on the door so they don't count you as unemployed. And yeah. again, this is when I've done my MBA and stuff in economics. As a common sense thing, when they do these statistics as well, let's say I work for my father's business two hours a week. Okay, two hours a week, I'm considered employed, even though I might be looking for full time job work yeah. outside. I'm technically unemployed, but I'm just helping my dad out picking some boxes and bringing it in two hours a week. They can't be as employed. So they fudge the data. They manipulate the data. To present the number, headline number that they want to continue their policies. Okay. Just going to leave it at that because this happens with a lot of other stuff. And as I said, even with the property prices, let's go back to the first example we talked about. So let's say that Japanese bank on its balance sheet, if you looked the day before the announcement, the property, that commercial property would have been worth 100 million. So you would have thought the bank is strong it was going to make a $24 billion profit. You might have bought the shares, but the next day, a day later, they have marked it down by 50%. So they, extent, they pretended for all this time that the commercial property was not non-performing. And now the law or the rules allow them to mark it down. They marked it down overnight. And now what happens? The share actually plunges, right? So got to be careful about these things. But that's just how the game works. You've got to know how the game works so you don't get caught up and you don't read a headline in an article thinking, Oh, the economy is really great. Let me go out and buy houses because the reserve banks now just going to start dropping interest rates because inflation's come down. And maybe that that's a good trans. I just thought that's maybe a good transition into the next one of the things we are going to talk about, which is the inflation, because I just want people to understand what inflation is again. Yeah, go for it. Just just a quick one with the inflation, mate. Right? People know that increasing more money supply is causing inflation. But again, uh, as we said, we want to. Well, oh, people- wait
0: on. Let me just stop you there because I was just before when you're talking about um, you know people being optimistic about the economy, wanting to go out and buy more houses. Well, mm. um, that I think speaks to what you just mentioned there. What that does is it prompts a whole lot of of money to be created again
1: out of nothing. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's the thing. They want that, right? Because when people see the economy suffering, they pull back their wallets. They're not as optimistic. They start saving. And the whole money system works or functions on, as we said, because if I give you $100 and there's interest attached to it, we now need $105 the next month. So the problem is they need people to go out and borrow, but people aren't borrowing anymore because people aren't feeling that good again but but that's just like
0: inflating the balloon more at some point it's
1: it pops right it well it pops because it it, you either go into hyperinflation or you go into deflation and that's the thing it's a very close line and the brightest mind still are not sure where we're going but there is kind of deflation coming back now, now that the money has gone away, interest rates are high. Um, But there's also, it depends, inflation or deflation in which thing. And that's what I wanted to mention was this tradable inflation, and then there's non-tradable inflation. So your tradable inflation is your oil, Gas, sugar, your commodities, all of that, you're trading with countries or your milk powders that or lamb products and all of that. That's your tradable inflation. But your non-tradable inflation is something that's already in the economy. And when they say inflation's coming down, I want to give you some numbers of non-tradables in countries like New Zealand and Australia. Tobacco's inflation numbers eleven and a half. Property and services is nine point six. Household energy is five point nine. Hospitals is 12.9, insurance is up 11.9%, and education is 4.4. Now, can you tell me how the Reserve Bank increasing interest rates is going to bring this down for you? I have no clue. This, I don't know how you bring exactly, down hospital costs. Exactly. Yeah. But see, out of 5 million Kiwis, 4.9 might not understand this. That's what I'm trying to say. So the the headline tells you something so they can carry on with their agenda. They can carry on with what they're supposed to do. So, meanwhile, inflation just it carries on. Inflation is still higher than they're reporting. They're, it is still higher. Even in America, when they actually said, I, I think I mentioned last year, the, uh, there's a um, the website in America, it's not coming to me right now. But last year, even when the US said oh, our inflation is around 9, 9.5, it was actually 16.2%. Yeah, well, that's uh, way, the website's called Shadow Stats. Shadow Stats. Yeah. So, they they fudge the numbers uh, with inflation. As I said, they, there's there's hedonistic adjustments. So instead of you eating a steak, now you might be just eating a little uh, fillet of meat. Uh, they might use the Woolworths brand of uh, something instead of the good chips that you used to have. And this is how it's a basket of goods. Remember that, that's your consumer price inflation and PCE, right? Uh, PCE is personal consumption uh, consuming uh, consumer expenditure, which is your basket of goods which is how they calculate inflation. So you might think, okay, this chip that I used to have or this coffee I used to have is really getting expensive. I'm going to downsize or go to the smaller uh, brand. Now they could chuck the cheapest one in there and say, hey, look, coffee's only gone up 4% or 5%. But I've I've just told you some non-tradable inflation. Can you avoid insurance? Can you avoid property services? Can you avoid hospital services no. and education? No. no. So these are some of the biggest ones, and these are your non-tradable inflation, and increasing interest rates is not going to solve this. Okay? Um, so I'm just letting people think for themselves is what's the story being told. So I think okay. that okay. that was one of the things for 2024. Watch out for inflation coming back. I'm telling people now it's coming back. Okay. So let's wind it up.
0: Um, And time frame now. So this year... Um, if you are predicting, you know, like events that could really capture people's attention, like, wow, um, do you expect anything like that this year? And if so, when?
1: Yeah. Um, first thing, uh, the reason I was covering all of this, I'd say, what's the CRD crisis? The banks will suffer. Watch the inflation. It's coming back. Uh, it doesn't mean because you heard this conversation on the radio on Wednesday, it's going to come back Thursday. No, no, we get but that. But you will see it in this year. You will see it this year again coming back. It could be because of the war escalating. Um, watch out for war, definitely, mate. Definitely. Um, just some snippets on there for people, because this was one of the other things I was going to say for 2024. They're just having the largest ever NATO exercise to uh, rehearse Russian attack on Europe. Uh, supposedly, NATO has two new entrants coming in: Sweden and Finland. And US has said they are going to deploy nuclear weapons to the UK for the first time in 15 years. Uh, what? Why is that? Right? And and the bomb they talk about, which is the B-61, 12 nuclear warhead, that thing has 50 kilotons. So it's 30. Uh, That's 30. Sorry, three times as powerful as the one dropped on Hiroshima. Yes, yeah, seriously. Think about that. So serious. why is all of this happening now? Before the fact, as I've told people, World War Three has already started. You just don't get the headlines saying World War Three. It's a little Ukraine war year. There's a little Taiwan possibility there. There's a little Middle East thing here. Suddenly countries will have to take sides and it turns into World War Three. Some countries will kind of stay out of it and some won't. Um, The one thing I'd also say next to also watch out is China. Honestly, please watch out for China, because in America, when the housing bubble burst, it affected the rest of the world. This is all interlinked through derivatives. And in China, um, don't know if people know about this, but Evergrande, which we spoke about last year, which was- operation. Yeah, the largest real estate developer was forced to liquidate by a Hong Kong court uh, just uh, on the 28th of Jan. And, um, well, what can I tell you? Um, This is going to escalate. Um, And this is what I'm trying to say is you said, what happens now when the banks start failing? Look at China. China has already merged 2,100 rural banks. They have merged them with New Zealand $11 trillion in loans. So look in other countries what they have done, just like they launched the CBDC in Nigeria and what happened. Um, China just merged. 2,100 rural banks. And um, just to talk about what's happening there, the new residential developments are down 58%. So overnight, this hasn't happened overnight, but the headline has just come out overnight. So what I want people to start thinking is, we've been telling you in 2023 what's coming, and now in 2024, more headlines. So if you can see what's coming before the fact, nothing of this is rocket science. And um, because people are invested in shares, just this happening in China, has wiped off $7 trillion of value, wiped off the Hong Kong and China equity since 2021. That's $7 trillion wiped off the share market. So watch out for China. And I want to finish this off with a hopeful thing, right? What we're seeing is pushback against the green agenda. So the farmers' protests happening globally. Um, I just want to name some of the countries where this has been happening that I've been reading. It's in France, where they're literally putting cow dung on, Uh, government buildings in the European Parliament. Um, Belgium, Portugal, Greece, Germany has tractors lined up. Farmers are protesting, which is brilliant. Um, I know in New Zealand also, farmers have uh, stood up for their rights and are pushing back. Same thing in Ireland. Last Thursday, farmers are pushing back. And um, in USA, there's this thing called God's Army. It's a convoy of truckers like we had in Canada uh, last year. They're actually going down to the southern border. Uh, to defend Mexico's decision to protect its own boundary against the federal government. So there's hope. People are waking up. They know the green agenda is nefarious. The CBDC is nefarious. Oh, let me just throw that in there. CBDC this year. Okay, well, (laughs) 90% CBDC this year. Okay, well, that's a biggie. All right.
0: Um, Well, that sets the scene. Great to talk, Farzan. I think... uh, uh we're having you back next week or is it the week after it's uh, um or the other? we'll do
1: next week as then i might be traveling a bit again so okay next week
0: look forward to that uh thanks for coming back on and
1: great to catch up with you again in 2024 it's been a pleasure happy new year to the audience and the listeners
0: oh and just before you go and if people want to get in touch what's the best way yeah
1: the best way jump on my website success simplified life and breathe through the page and at the bottom of the page you can flick me an email
0: rcr is on a mission to revive honest media it's a good mission and now you can be an integral part of it by joining the rcr foundation members club receive exclusive benefits only available to club members including discounted merch your backstage pass to join the host for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions and the popular daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes. Delivered to your email inbox every weekday morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, check out www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members or click the FMC button on the bottom right of your RCR app.